Welcome to the 83rd episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner Fourgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, we're talking about Maryland's win over Minnesota from last night. We have some different fan reactions here on the podcast, and then we'll talk about the game and, of course, all of your non-rev news. But before we get into all that, this podcast is brought to you by Ally Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie and Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV, contact Allied today for a free, no-obligation quote at 301-986-0067 or visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to kick things off on the non-rev report here, the gymnastics team will start play on 1-13. That is Sunday, January 13th at Xfinity Center. Been a long offseason for the fans of gymnastics. It'll be coming to an end soon. Yeah, well, they'll take on Westchester University, Penn, and Cortland in that first match. Moving right along here, the Lady Terps capture Brenda Freeze's 500th win with an 81-63 victory over the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Big win for Coach B and the women's basketball squad. That was, I believe, 433 of those wins have come at Maryland. Of course, the three Final Fours, the national championship win, countless conference titles, just a big-time accomplishment for Brenda Freeze. Absolutely, and her success hopefully will culminate in a fifth Final Four appearance this season. It's looking pretty good for the Terps. Yeah, um, they're looking good. Another win. I mean, it, they've slowed down a little bit, but they're still winning, and that's what's important. That's all you can really hope for. According to Don Marcus of the Baltimore Sun and a friend of the Young Terps, several Maryland football players considered leaving the program after DJ Durkin was fired. Seven of those players have removed their names from the NCAA transfer portal since Loxley's hiring, and the original number was 13. So still six guys that could be heading out. Yeah, there are some high-profile names in there, including Tyrell Pergrome, the projected starter for next season, Lorenzo Harrison, Max Bortenschlager, Rashad Lewis. According to Marcus, who has seen the actual transfer portal, or at least knows someone who has, none of the six remaining players are difference makers. So hopefully no big names leave the program. Hopefully no one leaves the program, but you, it's kind of realistic to hope for that. Yeah, moving on with some more football news. Former Maryland defensive coordinator and co-defensive coordinator Andy Boo has been hired as the Rutgers D.C. Um, I don't really know what to say about this. I know a lot of people were very displeased with the job that Boo had done over the past seasons along with the Dirk and Maryland staff. But it's always, you know, there are pluses and minuses with every hiring and firing. I mean, this is just kind of a meh for me. Like, I, I, I don't. I was one of those people that wasn't pleased with the defensive play calling the last few seasons. Mm -hmm. But I also think Andy Boo is respected football mind, and you don't want to lose anybody, really. But it's not a huge loss in the program. I also feel like Mike Loxley would want to bring in his own guy, who's more DMV centric. Yeah. yeah. To me, this was done. 
when Loxley was hired. I think it was done when Durkin was fired, actually. It's just Andy Boo was really close with DJ Durkin. He really was a Durkin guy, and when that changed, you know, he hadn't done a great job in the past. He was gone. It was it was over for Andy Boo, possibly by the end of the season, with whether Durkin was here or not. But after Durkin was gone, I it was near obvious that Andy Boo was going out the door. Yeah, one more piece on the Terrapin rundown. Maryland, according to Las Vegas, is the fifth most likely school to land Alabama star- or former Alabama starting quarterback Jalen Hearns behind Houston and Arizona. The Terps are plus 400 in the odds. And you know what? I'll take those odds. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is definitely talking to some schools really quickly. Some um, been hearing about Oklahoma, been hearing about Houston. But both of those schools, given that I don't really know who else is on there, I know that Auburn was talked about before. Oklahoma and Houston, I mean, Oklahoma supposedly has a quarterback of the likes of Kyler Murray as their current backup. His name slips me right now. And then the guy down at Houston named King, he scored 50 touchdowns this year. So, I don't really know what to make of this. Well, Jalen is from the Houston area, so that's why Houston's a front runner. Of course, Maryland has a Loxley connection. but And reportedly now the Gaddis connection. Well, we don't know that for sure yet, so I'm going to put a pin in that for now. It, it's a hard thing to judge. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't really take him coming here seriously until recently. I also wasn't even sure if he was going to transfer or not, but now his name is in the NCAA transfer portal. That is confirmed. So he's likely moving on. I think we have a good shot as anybody else, and apparently so does Las Vegas. Yeah, um, not really a lot to say that. Obviously, he hasn't come out with any favorites for his own recruitment you really have to wait on that in terms of the Las Vegas thing it's just can we really take that seriously I mean they're guessing I mean who do they consult on transfers they're guessing like everybody else but he's the highest profile transfer maybe in college football history I don't know about that Uh, I can't think of anybody else right now who's won the championship and was SEC offensive player of the year I'm sure throughout the ages of college football there's been someone near or above the profile of Jalen Hurts. Uh, maybe you're right, but for now, it's not important. The only thing that really matters right now is the Terps do have a shot at getting him, and I think we'd all be very excited if he decided to come here. Yes, we would. Let's move on to something that I heard today about the Maryland-Minnesota win for the Terps from last night. I was listening to the radio and reading through the Twitter comments and Instagram comments and not really the fan boards, but just there were a lot of people talking about that this is Mark Turgeon's best in-game coaching performance. And then there's another group of very anti-Turgeon, anti-the direction that Maryland basketball is heading that thought Mark Turgeon finally, and to quote one of them was on the Team 980 earlier, that he finally was competent enough to go to a zone during the game. And no man that is being paid the amount of money that he is, should really, like, we shouldn't be proud of that. He should know to go to the zone like he did against Minnesota. And that Maryland basketball has lost its pride with Mark Turgeon. It's lost that grit and that hard work that Gary Williams bought to the program. And then a few other people agreed with him. 
but I don't really know what to think of that because at at some point, yeah, two point five million dollars, and he finally went to a zone. To me, yes, that part's true. But has Maryland basketball lost its pride in the fact that they're proud that one they beat Minnesota, and that they've lost that old gritty Maryland basketball that Gary Williams bought? Okay, here's my thing with this. Every fan base has this group, not even every fan base, sports in general have this group of people that are just going to be negative. Aggressively negative pins, linchpins of that whole mentality is often referencing the glory days and how we're not there. Um, For like... um, like Redskins fans, for example, they will always, no matter how successful the team is, they can never be happy if the team just goes to the playoffs or wins a couple games. They, they're not winning the Super Bowl right now. That's true in every fan base. Um, Tennessee fans, for example, th- this is a very, I don't know what the word is. It's a very um, specific example. But they are always unhappy if the team's not a top 10 team. And they can't accept the fact that you need to take the small victories as they come. And I think the issue with that is that you can, you're not, it's very hard to find a home run higher every time you need restarts. This isn't restarting, though. I know, I'm getting that. Or have a a perfect season every time. You need to be willing to take the small victories. And I think even me, who's negative, needs to be able to say, okay, we showed improvement in this game. The freshmen have improved tremendously since the beginning of the season. Maybe Mark Turge is possibly growing as a coach because he finally did switch to his own and brought more out of his guys when the chips were down. So I just think that it is a mentality a lot of people have, but I don't agree with it. Okay, that's fair enough. But I, I feel that some of my points are in this. I'm not saying that I'm taking responsibility for what this guy said. Just to go back to what we were talking about. Mark Turgeon makes $2.5 million. Mark Turgeon's job is to be a basketball coach. And again, what other team with the size stadium, with the funding that this program has gotten would accept what Mark Turgeon has done? I feel like that is a big problem for a lot of Maryland fans. But this was – hold on. Okay. Okay. This was a good this was a well coached game. This to me, taking away every everything else, we just look at this game, it was coached at the level that I would expect from Mark Turgeon. I think it was coached at a great in a great way. The subbing was right. The players that were in the game were the right ones at the right times. This game worked out well and it was great from a coaching perspective, but we still have the people that just won't be satisfied. They've seen enough. And I think that's fair, and oftentimes I'm one of those people, but I also am willing to say that we played a good game, and it's okay to be happy that we he coached a good game. Does that mean I want him here for the next, I don't know how long his contract is, five years or so? No, not really at all. But I'm also willing to say that he coached a good game, and we could enjoy this victory. <laughs> now, on to, if Maryland basketball has lost its pride, I don't really know what that means. I don't think it's necessarily true. I think that we still expect this team to be ranked more times than not. I think we expect us to win big games and games in general. I also do think our standards have been lowered a little bit, but not a huge amount. You see, and I was listening to 
the Kevin Sheehan show today, he talked about Maryland for a good amount. That that gives you that would be a good listen for all you guys. He had Chris Naki on. It was a really good interview about Maryland basketball. But he was talking about Lefty and Gary and well, more if Lefty played in the landscape now. And he was talking about how Maryland was, you know, in the prime of Gary Williams and what would have been if the tournament again was 64 teams when Lefty was coaching, would have been in the Sweet 16 two out of three years, two out of four years. And how we just don't expect that now, but with this team has the talent to do that. Especially from what we saw last night with Jalen Smith being able to stretch the floor and Ricky Lindo really playing better. So should we expect that out of Mark Turgeon with this team, or are we going to be happy with the tournament? Because that's kind of what I feel like the one caller was saying when he said, has Maryland basketball lost their pride? Are we going to lower our expectations? Because, frankly, from the fan perspective, from a lot of people, we know what we're dealing with from a coaching from coaching perspective. Expectations are such a hard thing to, to figure out for me. They always are. Because on one hand, like I said, I have an issue with people that always reference, quote, the glory days. Because you're never going to be happy if that's the case. I don't think that's true. Okay. Why I, think, are you not in your... I think it's true from the Redskins' perspective. Or if you look at the Ravens when they had, you know, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. When are you going to have that again? Or if you look at the Redskins with the Hogs and Joe Gibbs. When are you going to have that again? But Maryland was never, in my opinion, had that great talent that was above everybody else or was winning other than maybe the early 2000s when they went to the back-to-back Final Fours and then the Sweet 16, was having that sustained top-level success. Sure that people want that back, want those years back, but I feel like you can reach that again. I feel like when... Mello Trimble was here, and when Maryland was really, you know, reached the Sweet 16 and made the second round a few times, that people accepted that because that's what they knew Maryland basketball was. But right now, we're looking at a year where we didn't go to the tournament, didn't even make the NIT. And then people had grand expectations for this team that has, I feel like, or I'm seeing that the team is progressing, felt like they should have been there more at the beginning of the season, and that's really why. The issue I have with the Glory Days argument is that Maryland's only made the Sweet 16 sustained runs twice. Once in the early 80s, and then again with the Gary late 90s, early 2000s era. Like, that's it. I think those Glory Days have been very short and non-sustained. Yes, I think we should have standards, and I think those sta- I don't know what those standards are. I really don't. I don't think I'm old enough to really have those standards. I expect us to at least be in the second round. That's kind of why I've been pushed. And I think that our team is getting there. And honestly, it's this team is coming along. Yeah, and maybe it should have come along a bit sooner. But also there is the fact that we are so freshman dependent. And whether we like it or not, almost every team that's freshman dependent struggles early on, besides Duke this season. Like at Kentucky, they've been a bit of a mess, honestly. So it's hard for me for really to crack the hammer down when we're seeing the progress that we are this season. I understand the people that think that, and I sympathize with their perspective. But just for me, it's just hard, especially after this game, to really get mad about it. 
And I think that's enough of, really, this conversation. I feel, or I, I know, it's kind of one of those things that you got to save for the end of the season. It's a looking back on this season kind of conversation. That's where that starts, at least to me. I know that people love to be, I don't even know what to call them, like mid-season decision makers. But we're not really there yet. We've only played four Big Ten games. There's still a ton of time left. The team's progressing. I don't really think you could justify making a move yet. I don't really think you could um, kind of make that decision yet. So let's talk about the game. But before we do that, this podcast is also brought to you by Maryland Eurocars. When you're looking for someone to work on your European car, look no further than Maryland Eurocars. We have a few Audis in the family and some BMWs at the office, and we take our cars to Christian at Maryland Eurocars. Christian and his team know their way around Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys, VWs, and many more makes always friendly, courteous, and honest, along with being an extra clean shop. Maryland Eurocars is the best place to take your prized automobile, and they are the most reasonably priced shop in town. Located in Rockville, you can reach Maryland Eurocars at 301-217-5831, Ask for Christian at 301-217-5831 and tell them that the Young Terps sent you. Jordan, let's talk about the actual game. Maryland tops Minnesota 82-67 on the road in the barn. What were your thoughts about the game and what did you see that you liked from the Terps? Um, overall, my thoughts from the game were the Terps actually didn't start off too slow. They actually got off to an early lead, but then they kind of stalled from the 14 minute mark kind of downwards to the 10-minute mark. And then towards the end of the first half again, they allowed Minnesota to get off to a lead. I think it was 40 to 34 at halftime. And, of course, foul trouble was a recurring theme, especially in the first half and in the second half with Bruno Fernando getting an early foul trouble, then Eric Ayala following him. So that was a big theme. But in the second half, especially in the later half of the second half, we really saw... We saw a great performance from Anthony Cowan, 27 points, 7 for 12 from the field. Jalen Smith, of course, was just spectacular. Those two really willed Maryland to victory in this game. Guys off the bench shot Ricky Lindo, shot well, 2 for 2, 1 for one for 3, 6 rebounds. Sarah Smith only pl- played 24 minutes with only 4 points, but was really solid defensively and with ball handling. It was... I know this is taken on kind of a sarcastic tone with the way the Wizards have used it, but this was a really great a team victory. Yeah, it was, and I think I've established my favorite player, Jordan, on this team. That would be Mr. Ricky Lindo, I assume? Yes, it is. Ricky Lindo is just a baller. Ricky Lindo plays with passion, with fight, and Daryl Morsell is kind of the same for me. Neither of them really score, but they give you those minutes. There's hard-earned minutes, those grit minutes. And Matt Brady said it. He's kind of the shooting coach for this team. Ricky Lindo, by next year, could be the best shooter on Maryland's team. Well, he really stunned me when he made that three. I was not expecting it to go in. But it did also did show that he had good mechanics and good potential from deep. But he really does play hard. He reminds me of a Gary player a little bit. He plays hard. He's not a glamorous player. He went to public school in D.C. He just plays really hard. He wants to be a Terp. 
it shows. And this, I don't want to slam this for too long because it wasn't really his game, but he really did impress me with his 14 minutes. Yeah, I thought it was really impressive. And as you said, let's move to the two guys. I know you already hit on them that it was their day. Jalen Smith being the first one, 7 for 10 from the field, 7 of 8 from the line. Eight boards, 21 points on the night, and of course, you know, you got to throw in the four fouls that he got, but Jalen Smith really took over this game with a career high in points. Yeah, the first half, he really held it down when no one else was picking up the pace. He had that three that was called back to a two, six points in the first, I think, six, four or five minutes. And then later in the game, of course, he picked it up. He had that monster dunk that actually had me scream with no one else in the room. I don't know about you, Mason. You know me during these games, of course. <laughs> but he really, and I was texting with you and Wayne during the um, game that he was going to have to win this game for a certain degree when Bruno got in foul trouble, and he did. He did everything he could, and he really, I think for the first time this season, he showed real legit top 10 NBA draft pick stuff in this game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, there's really not much else to say. He made that big dunk. Again, just he can handle the ball. He can shoot it from mid-range. He just he has that NBA style to him. Yes, he does. And as the season goes on, he's showing it more and more. And although it may mean we lose him in the draft, which was likely anyway, it also may mean that we have real deeper potential with a, if he can grow into the player he can be. All right, moving over to the next guy whose night it was. Anthony Cowan played like it was last year, 36 minutes, 7 of 12 from the field, 3 of 5 from deep, 10 of 10 from the free throw line, 27 points, and that is accompanied with 6 rebounds and 5 assists. Jordan, you called him a volume scorer, and I'm starting to see that as the season progresses, but tonight, or last night, it seemed to be different. Really, the turnovers weren't there much from Cowan, and the shooting percentage was definitely a lot higher. It was far and away Anthony Cowan's best game of the season. One of the top ones of his career, I think, too. Career high in points for him with 27. And late in the game, I mean, when he was dribbling through traffic there, off screens and such, it was it was entertaining to watch. He was getting to the rim at will. He looked like, you're right, he looked like he did last season. He was getting fouls. He was getting to the bucket. He was playing good defense. And it was great to see him back in the form that we kind of expected this season. Yeah, um, as far as the two guard freshmen, Aiello and Wiggins, neither of them really had a big game. Eric Aiello got in foul trouble. Really, I'm going to say, I don't really know if he was needed in this game the usual way he is. He just, he was out of rhythm early with the fouls, and it just, it never came back to him in this game. Only six points from him. And then from Wiggins, seven off the bench. They both give you those important moments, but really not a huge game from either of the two freshmen. Yeah, the thing I want to highlight with the both of the freshmen is, yeah, they both got in foul trouble with three fouls each. They also both didn't play much, so 20 minutes for Ayala and only 14 for Wiggins. I mean, I agree that we don't need them as much as we, we usually do, and it's okay. They're freshmen. They can have an off day if we win. I don't really have a huge issue with it. They're both efficient from the field. No big mistakes. It's kind of a whatever for me. How about you, Mason? Yeah, pretty much the same. The only thing that I want to talk about is Wiggins in the zone. Well, first, let me talk about another one of my grit guys. That's, I think that's what I'm going to name Marcel and Lindo. 
Morcel at the top of the zone and just in general as a defender is just rock solid. Kind of reminds me of Sean Mosley when he wasn't much of a scorer anymore. And he could really just shut down the other team. Now, Jordan, I don't know if you see that, but I definitely see it with Daryl Morcel just being able to really dominate the game on defense, give you everything that he's got, and maybe he doesn't score at the end of the day, maybe his stat line's not great, but especially at the top of the zone and just matching up against the other team's best player, I don't really think there's anybody much better, especially on Maryland, than Daryl Morcel. I would say I see the comparison. Considering I made that comparison a couple of podcasts ago, and you disagreed with me, but I'm happy you're coming around to my way of thinking. I, I do agree though, because it's hard to judge him based on stat line because he didn't score. He got three rebounds, two assists, and two fouls. But he was so crucial in the zone because he can cover a lot of space. He's athletic enough that he can play the zone well. He's aggressive, and he was important on defense in this game. He was an important player. That didn't show up in the stat line, but that's okay because, again, we won, and the zone switch worked really well, mostly because of him. He also just plays hard. I feel like that's a big factor with him. It's just, it's there. That same thing you talked about with Lindo, that want to play for Maryland. This is my school. This is, it's just there with Daryl Morcel. And then back to Wiggins with how he played in the zone. It definitely wasn't as good. It definitely didn't, you know, translate to, I don't want to say the same result, but it's just a different kind of thing when you have that shutdown defender on the top of the zone compared to a guy like Aaron Wiggins or a guy like, um, man, his name's escaped, Eric Ayella. Just, it's just different when you put your shutdown defender on the top as opposed to anybody else that you have on your team. And the last guy we need to talk about here is Bruno Fernando. Quiet game for Bruno. Four fouls really took him out of the game early. Five percent from the field. Picked up a double double though with eleven rebounds, ten points. I mean, I don't know much how much you can really say about him. He was he only played thirty minutes, which is an only for him. He was really overshadowed by Jalen Smith down low, but still a double double, and he still had a role in our victory. I think it was really good for Jalen Smith that Bruno might have not been out there the whole time. It allowed Jalen Smith to really take over, to really kind of play his game as a lone man down low. And then Bruno, of course, just a double-double machine, just gets it done down low for Maryland. I don't like the foul trouble, but you know what? You escaped this one with the win. I figured he'd get in foul trouble sooner or later. He does foul a lot. I would like to see going forward, we'll talk about the end of the game in a minute, but I'd like to see going forward maybe Mark Turden experimenting with staggering Jalen Smith move Fernando a little bit just in spurts and let them d dominate the post by themselves. I don't think it'll happen because the pairing is so effective, but I do think it is viable maybe going forward. I think now that Lindo is catching on, I think Mark Trojan is more likely to go to this. I know he tried it at the beginning of the season and it just wasn't working, but now that Ricky Lindo has become, I guess, serviceable down low, now I think you could go to that. There are two guys from Minnesota that I want to talk about. The first one being Jordan Murphy. He didn't do much, but guy can just straight up play basketball. Jordan Murphy has been one of my favorite players in the Big Ten over the last few years. Now we did him a great game. Oh, that reminds me, though. Minnesota goes 9 for 23 from the line. A big part of that was Jordan Murphy going 3 for 9, but they missed so many free throws in this game. Yeah, they kind of, as, well, I watched the Big Ten postgame show, Jordan. I don't know if you did that had both of the coaches' pressers in it. 
Richard Patino kind of referred to it, and I wrote about it on Capital Sports Blog a little bit in my story, was it took out their, I think he used zap. I think that's the word that he used. When you miss it, the free throws after making plays, it takes out your zap. It was something like that. And I think that was really true for Minnesota because, and there's one play that really sticks out to me where that their center made. Um, he drove the lane and he got a foul and made the basket at a big point in the game. And then he missed the free throw. And that, I feel like that was also a point where Minnesota really could have taken over. But that point just sticks out to me. And I feel like it happened a lot for Minnesota throughout this game. And obviously at the end, it really eliminated them from contention in this one when I think it was Murphy missed two back-to-back free throws and really put the game away. Um, all right, the other player you want to talk about for Minnesota, I'm going to guess is Amir Coffey? Yeah, another guy, another one of these top-tier conference players. Amir Coffey gave Minnesota 37 strong minutes, 6 from 13 shooting, but another guy that went 3 for 8 from the line. He gave Minnesota their team high 16 points. Another guy that can just... Amir Coffey is just a basketball player, and he has that kind of NBA look to him. I think he could play four on a good night or a small ball kind of team, maybe even five positions. He can rebound, he can score. He's a do-it-all guy for Minnesota, but I would watch out for this team on senior day for the Terps when they come back to College Park because I think Minnesota's really got something. They've definitely won some really competitive games throughout the season. I would watch out for Minnesota in this league if I was any other team. I would as well. I think Minnesota is a good team, and that's why I'm so happy with the way we played because they are a good team. They have more votes in the AP Top 25 than we did, and we took it to them at home. I love playing in the barn. The court looked a bit weird. As I, I don't like Twitter. it. You don't like playing in the barn? I didn't like the court. Of the game, it was okay. Like I, I think I adjusted to it. But when I first saw it, I was like, "What the heck is this? Why is the court white?" I've never, I've never seen that one. Was, I think it was actually cream. I don't think it was white, but it did look off. I think. Also, think it might have been because of the TV. Just, just guessing. I don't think so. Well, anyway. Our next game is a home matchup against the 24-ranked Indiana Hoosiers. Indiana has been one of the surprise teams in the Big Ten this season. Yeah, they have. Um, the Hoosiers are currently ranked number 22, and they will be when they take on Maryland. Of course, Jordan, you know, you're a big basketball recruiting guy. I'm not as big. They have Romeo Langford. They have – don't they have a few other five-stars? Well, they have some former five-stars. The big one in this class – is, of course, Romeo Langford, though, Mr. Basketball, Indiana. One of the biggest recruiting stories last year was Archie Miller, the former Dayton coach, landing Langford, and he has lived up to the billing. 18 points a game, five rebounds a game. He is just explosive to watch play. If you haven't seen him play yet, you're going to be in for a treat. I, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. I'm, I'm just going to say it. I'm worried that Anthony, about Anthony Count guarding him. Because he's a six-six point guard, well, and he is one of the most athletic players in college basketball. One thing, and I don't know if you noticed this, is Turgeon's assigned Morcel to actually go to the best player in the other team. So I'm pretty sure Daryl Morcel will be taking on Romeo Langford in this game. Another thing that I just noticed scrolling down the note sheet here is both Indiana and Maryland average 77.5 points per game. They're fairly equal all the way down the stat line. The only thing that I don't know if this concerns me or not, is Indiana has, from Sunday till Friday off, they lost to Michigan. 
of course, and in Ann Arbor on Sunday, and then they have will not play this week till they take on Maryland. Um, but Jordan, well, another. It's worth Go noting ahead. that they only lost to Michigan by 11 points. Well, the they were getting they were getting whooped, and I feel like Michigan backed off. Well, I didn't actually see that one. So you're probably right on that. The other I, guy I, that you got to talk about with Indiana okay. is, of course, Jawan Morgan, the guy that really did a number on Maryland last year in that really disappointing loss at Assembly Hall. Yeah, that's actually who I was going to talk about next. Jawan Morgan, when you mentioned that Marcel gets, will probably get signed Romeo Langford, I was actually thinking that he might get signed Juwan Morgan. Morgan is a 6'8 power forward. He was second team all Big Ten last season. He's in Big Ten this season. Also worth noting that, that Romeo Langford was the only freshman on the preseason all Big Ten team to give you an idea of how highly regarded he was coming out of high school. They, they are a... I don't know how to describe them. They are a very competitive team. They're very talented. Archie Miller, their coach, was one of my favorite coaches for a long time. But they also have shown weakness several times. They don't blow out teams very often. Several, almost everybody's able to, sorry, almost everybody's able to hang around with them the entire game. They're a hard team to get a read on, in my opinion. They kind of remind me of a Maryland team. I mean, their losses this year come on the road against Arkansas. They lost by a point. They were blown out at Duke. And then they got pretty beat up by Michigan. They have wins this year over North Marquette. They blew up Marquette. They beat Northwestern, Penn State, Louisville, Butler, and Illinois. It's an up-and-down year, but hopefully Xfinity Center will be rocking, fill the place up, fill the wall on Friday night. I'm just hoping that we get a good game and a good showing from the crowd and maybe some energy in Xfinity Center that's been few and far between the games this year. I think the crowd will show up. Indiana is a pretty high-profile program, one of the most high-profile programs, honestly. And Maryland, of course, that's the true of them. And I think we will. The crowd will be there. I think this will be this. The fan base seems energized after beating Nebraska, the Rutgers, and Minnesota. I think that it'll probably be pretty close to a sellout. It's hard to tell with the wall being likely empty. But Friday night. Five o'clock, or actually seven. six o'clock. Seven. Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. My bad. Well, Jordan's back in that central time zone, so you got yeah. Exactly. Well, actually, that's why I said that time zone messed me up there. Um, I, I think Maryland wins. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think it's going to be similar to in Nebraska in terms of scoring. I'm going to say 75-73 Terps. I also think Maryland can get it done in this game. I also feel like there will be a lot of people that will choose to sit in the wall, maybe instead of the upper deck. Obviously, Jordan and I. A st- st- went to see somebody that was sitting on the wall for the Nebraska game, and we actually like the seats on there. Yeah, the view's very interesting out there. I actually mean interesting literally. I think it's kind of cool to see the stadium from that perspective. If the Terps can win this game, they play in the Wisconsin next, then Ohio State, then Michigan State. This will be a trying ske- stretch of the schedule for the Terps, and I think it's important to start it off right. Yeah, I, I think that that Wisconsin game, in terms of a sellout, is definitely more optimal time-wise. 8.30 on a Monday, they should be able to get some good numbers out of that game. Also, for this Indiana game, push through it. I think Maryland will win the game. I think they'll do it 78-67 to 67 over the Indiana Hoosiers. I feel like this will be that next-step game where you really see Maryland continue what they were able to do to Minnesota in the second half. 
And I think that's a wrap for this episode of the podcast. Anything else, Jordan? I'm just going to say, if you people keep talking about turning the corner, if you want to turn the corner, finish turning the corner, you win this game. Because if you lose by a sizable margin, I'd say, then the Trojan haters will be out in droves again. Yeah, back out there. One more thing that we didn't get to, Anthony Cowan. Not Anthony Cowan. Anthony McFarland was named All-Freshman by the Football Writers Association of America. Shout out to Anthony McFarland for that great accomplishment. There will be a lot of people chasing down the number five Maryland jersey in the years to come. I hope so. It's also worth noting that with Ty Johnson gone, hopefully the NFL, he will be likely the lone star next season, next to Lolo Harrison. And Javon so, Leak and Tayon Fleet Davis. And, and Jake Funk and everybody else. But hopefully he can break the 1,000-yard marker next year and really get going. Yeah, hopefully Anthony McFarlane can do that for – I think he did break 1,000 this past year. I thought it was like a 700 or something. I don't really remember. I think the Ohio State game really gave him a big boost in stats. I think he made it to 1,000 yards, but I'm not sure. That's going to do it for this podcast. We would like to thank our sponsors, Viner Forgates of Rockville. For all your business IT needs, Viner Forgates is the place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900. Ally Party Rentals is the place to go for all of your party rental needs. Anything from a small luncheon to a presidential inauguration, Ally has done it all. You can visit their website at AllyPartyRentals.com. And Maryland Euro Cars. If you're looking for a five-star experience servicing your Audi, BMW, Mercedes, Bentley, they do them all at Maryland Euro Cars. You can reach Christian at 301-217-5831. That's Christian at Maryland Euro Cars at 301 301- Two one seven five eight three one. Jordan, where can you follow the Young Terps on Twitter? You can follow us at Young Terp One. That is Young Terp Number One. And you can drop me a follow at at Intern Mason. This has been the Young Terps podcast. As always, thanks for listening.